Hey guys, welcome to the Cool Christian Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Centeno. On this podcast is where I get to ask questions like the nerd that I can be, looking to learn from the cool Christian nerds I know around me that have something to teach. Now let's dig in. Today I'm here with Philadelphia Tabernacle of David and Jamie Fit. How are you doing, friend? Doing great. How you doing, man? Good, good. good. This, is the, this is the Philly Philly. The this Philly is the special. Philly special. Exactly. <laughs> the right. Philly Philly special. So it's good to have you in studio. Good to have you here. Today, what we're going to be exploring is what praise and prophecy is hoping to do to the spiritual landscape of the city, specifically this city, the city of Philadelphia. And so I brought in Jamie Phipp, who um, is going to tell us a little bit about Philadelphia's Tabernacle of David, and sometimes we'll refer to uh, refer to it as PTOD, just a great way to get that acronym and make it a lot shorter. Uh, but yeah, I want you guys to get to know him and hear a little bit about what's happening here. I believe it is going to be inspirational and encouraging. So let's start with just getting to know you, Jamie. Um, tell us about your journey and how you are here with your family and what's and how you got to leading this movement. Yeah, um, I grew up uh, in church. My my family was always a, a church family, um, not a pastor's kid uh, per se. But my mom and especially my mom, but my mom and dad were always very involved in the church. And so, um, but somewhere around like sixteen or so, we went started going to a different church, and um, started to really learn about worship. Um, and it just it resonated with us as a. A thing we've always been musical. My family's always musical. Both my parents are retired music teachers, so um, so I was always kind of in the blood, I guess. And um, and so we always loved that, but didn't know anything about worship until about sixteen. I was about sixteen years old. We started to learn about worship, and just it was just became who we were, you know. And um, and so we formed a worship team uh, at about I was maybe about seventeen at that time. And we started leading worship and actually going back to denominational churches because we had kind of come out of that context and teaching about worship and sharing with them about, you know, uh, kind of the joy that we had found in worship. And um, and somewhere along the line, the Lord shifted us into doing um, what we didn't have any language for it at that time. Just we called it extended times of worship and prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, it was a guy uh, in a uh, Methodist church. Who, who came to us and he said, hey, what would you think about doing 12 hours of worship? And we're like, that sounds great. You know, we thought he had a plan. Yeah. He didn't. Um, his plan was to have us do it. <laughs> so, so we did. We literally did 12 hours of worship, just our team, through the night, you know, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Um, and it was like one of the dumbest things we ever did. Why is that? Well, it was just, you know, it was crazy. 12 hours of yeah. worship, you know, through yeah. the night. It was just hard, you know what I mean? How many songs do I actually know? <laughs> yeah, right, you know. So, and it was just one team, you know what I mean? We didn't have, like now everybody split it up into two-hour things, but it was just us, right? Uh, it was one of the stupidest things we ever did, but we loved it, you know what I mean? So from there, we really felt God just shifted us and and... Um, we started to bring into all that the language of the Tabernacle of David because we started to learn that. Uh, but honestly, even at the time we started it, we didn't know it. So God really did something very organic and unique with us. And so we've always tried to stay on a path that's somewhat organic, not uh, being very careful like not to copy what other people are doing and things like that because he kind of started us on our own journey very sovereignly, I guess, in a, in a way. Um, and so, yeah, from there... 
you know, our heart has always been for the city of Philadelphia. It's, uh, in my not-so-humble opinion, one of the greatest cities in our nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure you agree. Yes, I agree. But, uh, but mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just um, it's been our heart to then raise up worship and prayer, continuous worship and prayer in Philadelphia. Um, and so my, my family and I, we do this together. We've been doing it together for over 20 years now. Um, you know, so my mom and dad are still involved. My brother, my brother-in-law. Um, you know, my sister used to be involved, and now she has four kids, so not so much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and, and we just love it. And so from that kind of seed of our immediate family, um, we've kind of grown, you know, what we call the P. Todd family, which is all the other folks who've kind of connected with us. Um, you know, we're not a church, so it's, it's, not a, it's not a local church. Pretty much everybody who's connected with us in some way or another is, is also connected with their own local church. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a relational family of people who come together and worship and pray and lift up, you know, the sound of the Lord over the city. Now, tell me a little bit about just the Philadelphia Tabernacle of David. Uh, for those of people who don't know, you were describing a little bit that it's not a church, but give us a little bit more. Like, what is it that um, it is? How would you give it an elevator pitch for those people who are like thinking, well, if you're doing this and it's not this, like, how do they frame it all for something for something yeah. um, like this? Yeah, it's a little it's a little tough for some people to wrap their minds around if, if um, depending on what your paradigm is, but. You know, um, we basically, if people ask, I'll tell them we're kind of like a house of prayer, but only kind of, because a lot of what we do is very uh, different than, like, say, a traditional house of prayer, if you can say traditional house of prayer at this point, because that's kind of a non-traditional idea already. But, um, yeah, you know, so we're a, 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 the way we describe ourselves, kind of a regional community of believers from many, many different churches who are coming together uh, with the intent to raise up, um, you know, continuous worship and prayer that leads to transformation. Uh, really, our heart is the end game. The end goal is transformation mm-hmm. um, of of the city of of people, of course, but but even more broadly than that of of Philadelphia um, and through Philadelphia, our nation, and all that kind of good stuff. You know, so um, you know it, it, that's really our heart is um, you know continuous worship and prayer that leads to transformation. So we have a lot of different expressions of that, and that's, you know, kind of been different over the years, but that that thread has been the common one that goes through all the way, and and we just keep that and just allow the Lord to show us different ways to, you know, bring that forth in in Philadelphia in different seasons. That's great. Now let's get more into the specifics, because, you know, what what has been the strategy of P. Todd, and, like, how is that evolved throughout the years like you said you were like in the outskirts at one point and there might have been a strategy there but like what has that looked like what are the specifics of like as philadelphia tabernacle of david that that we're doing these things um here are some specific things that we do within you know uh, the the burns or the the events that we have for the things that we do yeah what what does it look like from event to relationships to traveling, whatever, like, what's that all look like? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it, it's evolved a ton over 20-some years. And again, the, the, the core, the core message, the core heart of it is still the same, but the methodology and the and I say the way we carry, have carried the mandate has changed a lot. Um, we change a lot in 20 years, do you know what I mean? 
um, I was I was uh, I was 20 years old when I started it. You're a totally different person from 20 to 40. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so just the maturity I think that that we've gained over the years as individuals has been part of that. But also, it's just been strategy. God God changes his strategies from time to time. So. So yeah, I'd say, you know, it was about 10 years, roughly about maybe 99 to about 2009, somewhere in that time frame, that um, the Lord had us exclusively doing these burns all around um, the region. And then it was about 2009 um, that we started to first look at doing um, some burns within Philadelphia. And we kind of started a, a season... Um, for a period of time where we did some things in Philadelphia, but then we also um, were trying to really serve a lot. Mm-hmm. We f- we really, um, man, something that changed my life, uh, a guy that, that has changed my life over the years, uh, his name is Kevin Prosh, um, has been a father to a lot of people in the worship movement. Um, he he said that you always have to see, as a worship leader, you have to see yourself as, as a servant. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes we get into like the rock star mentality or whatever, you know, right. with with worship people. There's such an easy, such an easy, uh, you know, flip over because musicians and singers and whatnot are so glorified in our culture and whatnot. But he said you just you just need to see yourself as a servant. If you see yourself as a servant, you'll never be offended. You'll mm-hmm. never be, you know. And that as as a young young worship leader, that stuck with me. And so my heart was, you know, as we started to come into Philadelphia and really do things in the city. Um, to come in very humbly, to even though we were doing some of our own things, we really wanted to serve other people's things and just support that. And again, that was a relationship building time. Um, you know, we still have incredible relationships um, and and connect with the people that we first connected with when we came into the city, the places that we first did 12 and 24 hour worship events. We have relationships with those pastors still. We still connect with them. We still come in and and, uh, you know, minister different things. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, so that was uh, a big part of it, coming in and just building a relationship and, and connecting and doing some of the burns here in Philadelphia. Then eventually we, we um, started to do um, a weekly uh, prayer and worship watch, which we're still doing. And um, we'll be going on, going on 10, 10 years, um, I think next year. Okay. Uh, next February will be 10 years that we've had a weekly... Tuesday nights, every Tuesday night we meet and just come together and worship and pray. Um, at different times, we've had more watches going than that, depending on, um, you know, availability of space to us. We don't have our own building and stuff like that, but we've had more um, watches going on at times like that. But right now, currently, we've got one watch weekly, but we've kept that watch um, for, like I said, close to 10 years now. And uh, and so that's been... Um, that's been pretty cool. That is kind of the rallying point for our community. It's the time when we come together, we connect. Generally, we just do two hours of worship and prayer, um, and then just the relational interaction that happens before and after. You know what I mean? Is that's pretty much it. Generally, there's not um, preaching or teaching because our kind of our lane is just the worship and prayer piece. Um, so about a year ago, though, we started a thing called the covering, and the covering is kind of a new. Uh, methodology for us. Again, same heart, continuous worship and prayer. This is really focused specifically just on prayer, um, and ITLM is a part of it, so we're, we're grateful for you guys and, and everything you're doing with that. But um, basically, the concept was just to have a decentralized house of prayer. One of the things we found in Philadelphia was it's, it's, 
generally not terribly practical to try to bring everybody to one central location. Um, you know, in Kansas City, when I was there, you know, um, a couple times visiting, you know, if you had to go 10 miles in Kansas City, it was 10 minutes because everything's connected on highways and there's no traffic, right? That ain't the case in Philadelphia, you know, saying 10 miles can take you an hour, right? So, um, so just the concept of what works in a city that is one of the largest geographic big cities in the nation Mm -hmm. and how do you work with that? And so we've just found that a decentralized approach to the house of prayer has really been powerful. Um, and so the concept with the covering is to ask one church to take one day, um, and so one church is stewarding a 24-hour period once a month where they're praying. Uh, and the idea being that if you can connect with 31 different churches, you've got every day of the month covered. You've got 24-7, 365 prayer going over the city. Um, and we add to that, we add a very targeted and specific um, prayer guide. So we've got specific prayer points where we're asking people to pray with us on those kinds of things. And so so that's what we're doing Um and so, yeah, so, I mean, methodology-wise, that's something we've added that's somewhat new. Um, I think it's encouraging. We're almost at that place of 24-7. Uh, we're getting there. Uh, we're working with people and building it up and just doing what we can, again, relationally, you know. Um, so, um, yeah. And then and then one of the things we've really focused on in the last couple of years is more training and equipping. Um, our heart uh, is to help bring up the water level, if you will, in the entire city. You know what I mean? Um, so our heart is we, we do a lot of training and equipping events that are aimed at um, bringing in, you know, worship leaders, intercessors from other, you know, all different churches so that um, they can go back to their church and, you know, raise the water level, like I said. So so that's been our heart just to kind of serve the city that way because we feel like that's a need, um, you know. And so, yeah, so there's there's a lot more things. I won't get into everything we do, but but those are some of the big things that um, that we do. We connect on some prayer conference calls and different things uh, regularly, weekly. Um, and we've uh, created a number of devotional prayer guides to to have targeted times of prayer and intercession for the city and a bunch of different things. But, you know, I won't, I won't oh, ramble no, on too. <laughs> that's really helpful. It gives yeah. people a good um, overview of all the things that you guys are involved in and partnering with, so that's tremendous. So changing gears a little bit here, if I find like if somebody was to come out to one of these um, these events, uh, what they'll notice right away is the the musicality. They'll notice the songs. They'll notice um, uh, maybe expressions of prophecy and worship through flags or through other symbolic things. Uh, so, and then and then prophetically things are just being released so with you being so instrumental and being a part of those uh, what are some of the major things that are being sung about or being prophetically released over Philadelphia uh, that really stand out during this time yeah that's a that's a that's a tough question Um, sometimes the nature of what we do is I would call it like a herald or like a herald anointing kind of a thing. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, we're singing something and and releasing it and kind of like it's an announcement in the earth. And then we kind of are on to the next announcement, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, you know, um, so it's sometimes hard to think about, okay, what are the, what are the things that keep coming back? And, and, but I would say there's a couple. Um, I think one is just a basic thing that God is, raising up 
um, a Judah a Judah tribe, a Judah company um, in Philadelphia. And I think that's a constant prayer and declaration that we come back to. And for people um, who are not familiar with that, what what would that insinuate? Yeah. What would that speak to? The yeah, Judah? So, so Judah it, it was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, um, but the word Judah means praise. Mm-hmm. So um, when we talk about... Um, people, you know, being being a, a Judah tribe raised up. It's a tribe of worshipers. It's a tribe of, of praisers. It's a tribe of, you know, people who will do battle through that. You know, in, in, um, in the Bible, there's examples of the worshipers even going out in front of the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, that, that would be an interesting place to be, right? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how many of the worship leaders and worship team members would want to do it if that's, <laughs> that's how we were rolling in yeah, this? They have spears and arrows and we have guitars. Yeah, and, exactly. And <laughs> yeah, you know, there's guys on that side with swords and spears and there's guys on this side with swords and spears and you're right in between them. You know, mm-hmm. that just probably wouldn't but the reality is that in the spirit realm now i mean we don't deal with these things in the natural now but in the spirit realm that is where we're positioned as worshipers mm-hmm. and um and so i really believe that the lord is raising that but of course then you know taking that over into a, a deeper level of understanding jesus is called the lion of the tribe of judah mm-hmm. and because he was born from the tribe of judah it's david's tribe um, and of course, then it's it, it, because of that, it's Jesus tribe. And so, um, you know, he's kind of uh, seen as the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is not only, um, you know, imagery of, of royalty, right? You know, kind of we call it the, the lion, the king of the of the jungle or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it, it also is lions can release an incredible sound. Um, you know, uh, I've read, I've never experienced it, thank God, but I've heard that in the wild, when a lion roars, it can be heard in a five mile radius. Mm -hmm. Um, that's pretty incredible. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, there's, there's a company of people who are being raised up in Philadelphia to release a sound, um, that's going to be, you know, go out. It's not something that's just going to stay in the four walls of the church, um, it's not something that's just going to touch a room. It's going to move a territory. It's going to move a neighborhood. It's going to be a five-mile radius sound that yeah. begins to impact things in the spirit um, and begins to, to really um, shake things up and, and cause the enemies of God to be put on alert that, that there's, you know, there's a lion in the camp. You know? So I think that's one of the things that God keeps bringing us back to um, and keeps emphasizing that we we need that so desperately in Philadelphia and that he's doing yeah. it he's raising it up um, so that's one thing you know I would say the other thing something we carried all last year um, leading up to and and through our time at independent small and and, and uh, that's one thing you know I didn't mention in what we've been doing over the last uh, this will be our fourth year mm-hmm. uh, we've been going to independent small at the time of Pentecost and doing something we call Jubilee. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jubilee is basically just a time where we set up a tent um, at about as close as you can get to the Liberty Bell with mm-hmm. and still make a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we worship there for about a week. Uh, and, and you guys have been a part yeah. of some of that. We've done yeah. the One City, One Love together over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, that is a time where we go to not just a place that's central for our city, but a place that's central for our nation. Yeah. And we release a sound there for seven days. Um, but leading up to that time last year, the Lord really spoke to us out of Isaiah 4. And um, 
you know, at the risk of sounding heretical. <laughs> I know there's a, a historical, you know, understanding of Isaiah 4, but yeah. God was giving us like a prophetic understanding, if you will, that um, this, this language in Isaiah 4 about him washing away the filth from the daughters of Zion, mm-hmm. you know, that there was a cleansing that God was doing of the people and the land of Philadelphia in that season. Uh, and it was amazing, and you guys, I'm sure, remember that it was a very wet week. Yeah, it was a lot of point. rain. Yeah, yeah, it was It was amazing. But at the end, at the beginning of Isaiah 4, um, there's this, this part in there that says, seven women will take hold of one man, saying, we'll eat our own food, we'll wear our own clothes, but we're asking you, take away our reproach. And the Hebrew word reproach is herpa. That's the word uh, reproach. And then at the end of Isaiah 4, it talks about that over all the glory, after God cleanses the daughters of Zion, these women that are laying hold of the one man, which I think prophetically is Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but there's a cleansing that God does, and then over all the glory that God's doing, it says there's a covering. And that word covering is the Hebrew word chupa, and it actually is a bridal canopy. So it speaks of a bride and groom being joined together, right? So it's like this word herpa and chupa. I think it's a Hebrew wordplay where God says, I'm going to take away your reproach and bring you to the bridal canopy. Mm-hmm. And it's just this idea of God cleansing and purifying uh, his people, bringing them to the place of being joined with him and seeing glory released in the midst of that. And so we carried that word um, all through last year um, in Philadelphia. And I really believe God was, in a sense, if, if this makes sense, cleansing the portal of Philadelphia. Mm. Um, we, we have to realize, I think we don't realize sometimes, um, that, that we actually live in a city that um, was the voice to our nation right. in its most critical hours. Uh, and we, we, we can get comfortable, we can get used to that, and we forget that this city has a destiny to speak to our nation. Yeah. But, you know, there needs to be a cleansing and a purifying that happens in that. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was amazing. Right after the One City, One Love event, that there was like five minutes where it wasn't raining, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a bride and a groom who came and stood right next to our tent, people who had just gotten married. Mm. And I felt it was a sign from the Lord, wow. you know, that what we had been doing there really was cleansing the portal of Philadelphia. And so this year, when we go down to the mall again, we're actually doing something. We're inviting a number of prophetic voices, probably have 20, 30 different um, prophetic voices, some local, but many of them nationally recognized or even internationally recognized prophetic voices to come and prophesy to our nation from a cleansed portal, if you will, yeah. or a gateway, if, if some people get weird about the word portal right, or whatever. Right. But, but a gateway, think of it as a gateway, um, which, you know, I really see this as something where, you know, God brought a group of men, it was men then, this will be men and women, yeah. but he brought a group of men to this city several times in our history to release a declaration over our nation, right. whether it was the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or whatever. And I feel like, again, he's asking us to convene the prophets and speak from the foundation of the nation. So one of the things we've been praying into consistently is just this cleansing of this portal uh, or gateway of Philadelphia. And now uh, I believe there's a, a release that's coming from Philadelphia this year. Um, that's pretty okay. awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Man, just to... To think about how we um, are reestablishing some of the the ruined places 
in the city that we know that people have come before us that have been praying and contending for these things, but it's almost like for such a time as this, yeah, yeah. is that Esther moment, right? Yeah. Where she gets purified so she can be able to speak to a king. Yeah. And, uh, and um, edicts can be issued and things can begin to move and be shaped. So that's tremendous. Uh, you know, when you were speaking about the Judah piece, you know, he was a first too. Yeah. He was right. like the, the first to go and and it is very um, what what God is looking to do. I do believe is very territorial, yeah. and that's beyond just what we're what we're thinking in terms of like church planting. I call that like kingdom expanding. Like we just can't be church planting without kingdom expanding. We yeah. need both. Uh, we need both and, and so you know, Tabernacle of David and, and and things like that are helping keep that in front where it's not a church but it's a kingdom expander. Yeah. And it's bringing churches together yeah. for us to make that happen. Yeah, and one of the things that I think you know is really key, and you're kind of you're kind of touching on it, is what does transformation even look like? Mm-hmm. You know, to me, transformation looks like this city coming into the fullness of its destiny that God ordained from the foundations of the world. Yeah, you know, um, and there's there's a role that God always designed for Philadelphia to play. I mean. Uh, one of the prayers that we always come back to is William Penn's prayer right. over Philadelphia from 1684. One of the things he says in the prayer is he says, Philadelphia, you know, the virgin settlement named before you were born. Yeah. I mean, wh- what he's literally saying there, this is incredible. What he's literally saying there is Philadelphia has had a destiny from the foundation of the world long before he ever gave a name to it, William Penn ever gave a name to it. Mm-hmm. But that 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 was part of the destiny of Philadelphia to become a, to be a city of brotherly love but it's also a governmental city right yeah. so you know but but to see all this stuff raised up because we're living in a city that in a lot of ways has lost its identity has yeah. lost its destiny it's not even the capital of our state let alone the capital of our nation right. and yet i th- i believe what god's doing is he is sending forth a judah tribe a forerunning company to um call forth the spiritual authority, the spiritual government um, out of Philadelphia. And um, people are recognizing that, yep. you know what I mean? Um, you know, I think even nationally, people are, are sensing that. And so it's bringing Philadelphia into its new day. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a word that, that, that you've had. I think that's a word that I know that's a word we've been carrying. And I think it was no mistake. I mean, just again, another thing we've been praying and prophesying over the, the last year or so. Um, there's no mistake, you know, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Right. I know you were prophesying about that oh, being yeah. the green year and yeah. all this kind of stuff, which was so true. I mean, I feel like Philadelphia is very much in a new season. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, we've been convening a, a small group of, of some prophetic voices that we're connected with. I'm sure there's more in the city. Um, but just some people we're connected with, like quarterly, we get together, we talk, we um, counsel together, what's the Lord saying? You know, and one of the things that came out of our last meeting was just this is a new day for Philadelphia. It's a new city. We need to pray new. We need to think new. And we were talking about, you know, well, we might have gone to these places and prayed over these places before or anointed these places, whatever they are, right? But maybe it's time to do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe there's a newness, there's a freshness of what God's doing. And I feel like that's a part of what's happening. Um, and, it, and all of it is to bring Philadelphia into its transformational destiny. So that is really neat. So what, what is the prophetic consensus like? 
words that have been spoken from here or from uh, other groups or prophetic voices that you've come into about the future of Philadelphia? Um, yeah, what, what, what's that? What are some of those things so that, you know, some of the listeners can be able to really maybe be encouraged about the future state? We know what it looks like now. Yeah. But there is a, a future that's being um, foreseen. And uh, those declarations, I think, give us an opportunity or a proclamation can give us an opportunity to actually, you know, wrap our faith around that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we get we get a chance in because, um, you know, part of what we do, and, and this was a, uh, a piece that that was a transition for us, but we started to travel a good bit more and go out um, from Philadelphia. And some people kind of perceive that if they didn't understand, they perceived it as kind of like turning our backs on Philadelphia or something like that. But the the heart of it has always been to take Philadelphia out, right? To take Philadelphia with us wherever we travel. So we were just like, for example, we were just in Alabama, you know, uh, for five, six days. And the whole heart of it was to see racial reconciliation in, in Philadelphia, in, uh, in Alabama. So, you know, here we are, literally my brother and I traveling, two brothers from the city of brotherly love coming and releasing in Alabama, this, you know, heart of, of brotherly love. So, um, but I, what I'm saying is in the process of traveling, we've gotten to be around a lot of different voices mm-hmm. from all different areas. And when we say to people that we're from Philadelphia, um, it's amazing. I mean, across the board, everybody recognizes prophetically the, the significance of this city. Yeah. Uh, it's incredibly important. It's incredibly important to our nation at this time. Um, and so I really believe that really since, um, yeah, about 2011, 2012 timeframe, the eyes of the nation have come on to Philadelphia, uh, in a elevated way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that was a time for, for us to shift our thinking of praying just for Philadelphia and to say, we want to do as much. We want to pray through Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, you know, through Philadelphia to our nation and for our nation. Right. So I think that's one thing that's really key is recognizing, you know, in the future of Philadelphia, recognizing its importance to our nation. Um, that's one thing. But on a, on a very local um, and practical level, you know, um, I really think that um, what God's wanting to do is really restore um, this sense of government. And, um, you know... Again, it's interesting. I, I've been talking a lot about the Capitol and why the Capitol moved from Philadelphia. If you do some research into it, it's not a good thing. It was an unholy, ungodly hmm. compromise that took the Capitol from here down to Washington, D.C. And, I mean, you don't even have to look hard to find that Washington, D.C. was dedicated, you know, t- to, you know, in, in non-God-honoring ceremonies, wow. you, know, um, you know, that— it's just not a good, not a good picture. Right. Um, and so there's something about that that I think God is restoring that, and I think there is really, truly a governmental, kingdom governmental thing on Philadelphia. I have talked to some people as we've been talking about the whole capital thing, who believe that there will be a day when the capital actually come back to Philadelphia. Wow. I, I'm not. I haven't seen that personally. Yeah, that's. But I've amazing. talked to people who yeah. who believe that. You know, who um, and they're not you know, crazy there, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Um, so, so I don't know, you know what I mean? I don't wow. know. All I know is that in the spirit, I know God's wanting us to establish a, an atmosphere, like you're saying, an environment that would be kingdom government minded. 
Um, and you know what that looks like has nothing necessarily to do with political stuff. I think people right. think government, they think political, and that's not necessarily true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the kingdom of God, you know, or the government of God is like I, the Isaiah 9 idea of, of the increase of his government and of peace. There'll be no end. You know, Jesus did not ever, I mean, you know, they wanted him to establish an earthly government. He said, no, my government's above all that. Right. So it touches on political structures, um, but it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what's um, been in my heart. Um, and I think I've heard a lot from a lot of people that way about how important Philadelphia is. And so a lot of prophetic folks that we get around um, really just, they're anxious to sow into Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. They're anxious to encourage people in Philadelphia who are kingdom-minded, you know what I mean, and who want to press in and and continue to to really, you know, release the, 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 the heart of God over Philadelphia. So... So that, I would say, is the consensus. Again, meeting with uh, local prophetic voices, this sense of a new season for Philadelphia, I think it's so key. Um, mm-hmm. you, you can't underestimate the importance of that because anytime God turns a fresh page, um, there's opportunity, but there's also the enemy trying to come in and rule the day. Yeah. So for us, it's just been something where we're like, no, that's not <laughs> that's not going to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have the people of God have to respond in that environment. You know, what I mean, there is yeah. a, a, a thing for us where we've got to we've got to be active in that kind of a season. And so I think you know what you're saying about the the, the time of the church where we really rise up. You know, um, we're we're a jubilee city, right? I mean, the yeah. Liberty Bell is a jubilee bell. It's got the scripture on it from yeah. Leviticus that says, "Proclaim liberty throughout the land to all, to the inhabitants thereof." It's in the context of jubilee, the fiftieth year, where you cancel all the debts, you set the slaves free, all this kind of stuff. But the thing the Lord keeps emphasizing to me is this jubilee idea. Even though you get to that place where, okay, you're now set free. You're now your debts are canceled. You're no longer in bondage. How are you going to chart the course for the next fifty years? Right. Because you can end up in just a couple of years, right back in debt, right back in bondage, all this kind of stuff, right? So the question is, when God says it's a new season, the, the question before us is always, what are we going to do in that new season? Yep. I think sometimes we just get too excited, you know, and go, oh yes, you know, that's great, and that's good. It's good to be excited, right. but then it's like, okay, now let's chart the course, and let's. Let's not chart the course for the next five weeks or five months or five years. Let's be thinking 50 years. You know what I mean? Let's have a long-term generational mindset. Let's build things for the generations. Let's be thinking, you know, what's Philadelphia going to look like in 50 years? How do we see a kingdom culture that the government of the kingdom grows in Philadelphia for 50 years, you know, and continues to just get stronger and stronger? Um, So I think that's – I don't know if that – totally answers the question but I, I think that's kind of where you know my mind is at and what I see uh, a lot of agreement on and consensus in in no that's huge um yeah and that's that's neat I think we we've been talking about not only faith talks but faith works so you actually we have something to work on now that faith has spoken something so we don't sit idly by like you said and just like clap at it but like, oh, I, I've got to do something. Because God, when God promises, uh, we've said it here, where it's, I can't show you the full promise, but I can show you part of the process. Yeah. I can't show you, like, this is where we're going to be as much as I feel it and sense it. But I will work towards, I will 
start to work on the process. I will start putting those things in place where I'm thinking about generations. I'm gonna start putting things in place yeah. where I'm starting to set people up for what I believe God is saying we're about to enter into. And I think that's a good word for the church and us overall. If we really believe it, now we begin to work on it. Yeah. And it's not a work to kind of prove anything, but it's the work that proves that God's word is good and it's true. Yeah. And so we work towards those things. Yeah, this yeah. is great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Last question. Um, what is one of those special things? This is the Philly special. What's <laughs> one of those special things that Philly has going on that you really enjoy? You want to make mention to those people who <laughs> might just get nostalgic about it if they've been here or never been here and they don't realize, wow, that is a special, special thing that Philly has. Yeah. Um, well, yesterday was <clears throat> National Cheesesteak Day, so I can't help was but... It? Yeah, it was. It <laughs> what was. in the world? You didn't celebrate? How did I miss uh, that? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, I celebrated So uh, <laughs> at, at one of my favorite cheesesteak places, so... Um, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> aside wow. from cheesesteaks, tasty cakes, and uh, soft pretzels, um, you know, I think what's really cool, one of the things that's really blessed me, um, obviously, I mean, there's so many things you could say, but I think what, one of the things that's really cool is I love that American Bible Society is here. Me too. Um, I'm so grateful for that organization, such a cool ministry. Um, such a rich history, 200 plus years, yep. you know, and to have... Um, to have started off in Philadelphia and then, you know, been in New York City, I think, for, what, 100 years or something right. like that. Right. Um, to have them back and what they're doing, um, they're pioneering something now. I guess this is maybe not as nostalgic as much as something that's kind of new, but yeah. um, they're pioneering something down there called the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center, yes. which is going to be, I believe, um, we've had the privilege of just being down there and praying into that a lot. but. The, the, the word that the Lord keeps bringing up in my spirit is it's like a Joshua 4 memorial stone. Mm. You know, when they cross over the Jordan, they take stones out of the bottom of the Jordan, you right. know, and, and right. set up this altar. And Joshua says, this is so that all the generations will remember what God did. Because yep. they're going to walk by this and go, how'd you get the stones out of the bottom of the river? Well, the river was dry. That's how, right. you know what I mean? And, uh, and so it's a testimony. So they're setting up this thing, Faith and Liberty Discovery Center, that's going to tell the story of the impact of the Word of God on the founding of our nation. Yeah. And we live in a sea of revisionist history and all kinds of yep. you know, crazy stuff. And I just think um, that that's gonna be such a blessing that right there by the Liberty Bell, right there by Independence Mall, in what they call the most historic half mile in our nation, yeah. there's gonna be a testimony to how the Word of God was foundational in all of that. And it's gonna be a place to really tell the story of William Penn a little more fully, which is not really done here in Philadelphia, right, right. which is sad. You know, you can find all kinds of stuff about Ben Franklin, yep. uh, but William Penn, not so much, and um, that's a shame. So, so they're going to be doing that. I think it's going to be amazing. So they're a huge blessing here, um, and so you know, I, I think I'd say that's probably one thing that I'm just excited about and, and grateful for. About that. Yeah, yeah, because I take um, leaders and pastors um, from all around that want to go down to that area. And it's okay. We're looking at the history, but when I found out that's going to be down there, yeah. I was like, I can, I can probably visit that like a couple times a year. Yeah, really enjoy yeah. that. And I do. I think it's going to be a magnet. I think it's going to be the right kind of magnet that draws people in for specifically that experience. That's really going to help them to discern better everything else they see there. Yeah, because I think it is exactly has been very um, maybe one-sided, lopsided, or focused on 
certain specific things, but this gives you right. Like, I looking at this, I know how to discern this. Exactly. As you know, one of the things that frustrates me <clears throat> is you can walk through the Liberty Bell. I don't know if you say museum or whatever that little display is. You I mean yeah. it's not really a big space, but there's like all this stuff. It will never once tell you that that Liberty Bell was cast in commemoration of William Penn. Like, right. you would think they'd tell you why they made the Liberty Bell. Right, the they don't. Right. They, they te- it does not tell you that that bell was cast in commemoration of the 50th anniversary of William Penn's frame of government, which gave rights to people based on the fact that God gives rights to people, not right. government, right? And so that's why the bell is inscribed with proclaim liberty throughout the land to the inhabitants thereof. You now are free because God says you're free. Mm-hmm. Like, that's completely missing from the Liberty Bell Museum. Not in there at all. Wow. Nowhere. Nowhere will yeah. you find that. They'll say that there's a scripture on it because it's on there and you you read it. Yeah. You, like they can't yeah. deny that, but they won't tell you the story behind it. And it's like that's some of the richness of what's going on here. Right. You know, is that these people from a Bible story about 50 years being a jubilee time had a bell cast, you know, mm-hmm. to honor William Penn who gave freedom to people and wanted to proclaim, you know, liberty throughout the... I mean, it's such a rich and amazing prophetic picture of what Philadelphia is and, and, and all this kind of stuff, and it's missing from there. So I'm, I'm very grateful that it'll, that story will be told more fully. And like you said, it'll be a filter or a, a lens to yeah. interpret all the other things through, um, which, which will be pretty awesome. It will be. So uh, how can people learn more about... Philadelphia Tabernacle of David, if they just want to explore it on their own, where can they find you? Yeah. Um, well, we're on social media. Uh, Facebook is really the best place to find us social media-wise, um, Philadelphia Tabernacle of David. Um, or you can go to our website, which is Philly, uh, P-H-I-L-L-Y, and then T-O-D for Tabernacle of David, mm-hmm. .org, org. And um, those are the two best ways to connect with us, probably Facebook or our website. You can get on our email list if you want to do that and just, you know, connect with us uh, however uh, it's best for you. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. We got to explore what praise and prophecy is hoping to do in the spiritual landscape of the city. I pray that you are optimistic after this interview. And thank you again, Jamie, for coming in and sharing. It's my honor. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for joining us, and that's our time for this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Cool Christian Nerd Podcast, where you can get your digital discipleship fix. Till next time.